You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. On The Drive, we'll keep you updated on some of these uh, 4 o'clock games. Dallas has just found their way into the end zone. Doesn't mean a thing now. It's 31-9 with a little over two minutes left with the extra point pending. See what you have to say. Let's head back to the phones. Uh, let's go to Lloyd in Forest Hills. What's up, Lloyd? Good evening, Larry, and I'm glad you – hopefully all is well. And uh, I'm glad you alluded to the 13-year uh, drought that the Jets have had with the uh, getting to the playoffs. It's uh, a true tribute to the corporate culture of Chris, uh, of Chris Johnson and his brother, uh, Woody Johnson. I, I, incredible. Do you realize that the Jets have not had a playoff game for any kid who's getting bar mitzvah next year? That is, that is incredible. So the question I raise, and I do admire corporate consistency – is you're in the media, Larry, so I'm curious to get your take on this. With Aaron Rodgers coming back next year, do you think the networks are going to put the Jets back in prime time? No. What do you think the Jets can go back to the rightful place as being America's 1 p.m. team? I think, Lloyd, thanks for the phone call. I think they'll go into their rightful place of being America's 1 p.m. team, and if things uh, go back and they pick up, or there might be some sporadic games here and there, depending on matchups that they might put them in prime time, they can always flex them into prime time or flex them into a four o'clock game as you get further into the season. They will not do this again. They will not. And Aaron Rodgers being a year older uh, with the possibility of, you know, being injured and just uh, not just him. I mean, look at how many starting quarterbacks have been hurt this season, regardless of the age. So I just think, no, they will not, they will not give them all the, the hype that they got this year. They will not. They're going to, they're you know, wait and see what happens. Now, the only way that may change is if they have wholesale changes. Okay, we have a new coaching staff. We have this. We have that. Maybe we'll see the effect of that. But personally, if I were in the networks, I would say, let me see how they do early. You know, once again, if you face a New England, you know, a Buffalo, because they've had a little thing with Buffalo. They've been able to do some good work with, against Buffalo. They've been competitive. You know, maybe you'll do something like that. You might give them a Thursday night or a Sunday night or Monday night, maybe that. But first part of the season, I really don't think they're going to be in, in prime time. They're going to wait and see how they are. Jake is in Jersey. What's up, Jake? Hey, Larry. How's it going? So Great. How I are just you? Wanted to quickly, I just wanted to talk quickly about the Jets offensive line. I know we've touched about uh, on that a lot. But um, mm-hmm. Mekhi Becton, what was up with him today? He looked so much worse than I've ever seen. I mean, we've got a rookie center. We got two guys at right guard and right tackle that I don't even know their names right now. So obviously, I don't expect much out of them. But Makai Becton was just today. He just looked like he wasn't trying. I don't know if I'm wrong about that, but I was just completely unimpressed. Unimpressed. I, I just want to know what you thought about that. Jake, he was brutal today. Thanks for the phone call. He was brutal. He was like a statue. Uh, maybe he's hurt. Maybe you know he's giving it he's giving it the best he can because they're down offensive linemen and they're really hurting and they need him to play. That's a possibility. But here's the issue, and I think um, Connor Rogers did a nice job breaking that down on SNY in the post game with Bart Scott, um, and that and and Steve Gelbs, and that is even the run blocking is not the way it used to be for him. He used to really be a guy that you could run, run, you know, set open holes and run behind him. And he's not been able to do that. And so, remember, he was, they didn't expect him to be a major part. They're, they're happy 
that he's been available as much as he has. And it's been necessary. But this is part of the reason why he they had moved him to the right side. Because his skills had deteriorated. So that's another conversation that they're going to have to have. He, he is very slow against the run, against the pass. Very slow. And this was something that's not, this is not new. When the Jets signed Carl Lawson a couple of seasons ago, and he was going past him in practice, he has trouble getting out of his stance on pass plays. He just does not move well. Footwork is not good. So, once again, in hindsight, this is a bad draft pick. It looked pretty good because of his size that he should be able to dominate him and move people down the field, especially behind the running game. But he's not been able to do that either for a couple of seasons. So, this is a, this is a, a situation. You've got him. You've got Dwayne Brown. What are you going to do with him? 39-year-old guy coming back. Okay, Tomlinson, who's been not as good as you expected him to be. Elijah Vera Tucker on the other side, if he could stay healthy, he is he is clearly your best lineman when available, has been available two years now, done for the year, early. So they got a lot of issues. And <laughs> that right tackle spot has been a nightmare all season. Nightmare. I don't care who's there. Mitchell, Turner, whoever's been. They've been, it's looked like they've been on skates all season, no matter who it is in that spot. Matthew's in Hicksville. What's up, Matthew? Hey, what's going on? Uh, so basically, I know we got a lot with Joe Douglas, a lot of blame goes to him and style and all the words. The person that I'm the most upset with probably is Hackett. Because if you look at this team and the offense, they have their problems, they have their problems with injuries. But I look at Garrett Wilson, because I don't know about you, in my opinion, he was the only one today who didn't have a bad game. He didn't have an amazing game. He's the only one who looked actually somewhat good. And you take the offensive rookie of the year, and now he sits at this season with only three touchdowns, and he has a lot of receptions and yards in some of those games. But it's not like these losses, most of them, are even close. I mean, his offense is the worst offense in the league. We know that. And you have the offensive rookie of the year who, honestly, on a good team, is probably a top-five wide receiver in the league, like, hands down. And I feel the worst for him because his talent is being so wasted by, all right, he'll make a catch, he'll get a first down, that's great. And then it's a three and out because they don't give him the ball. Or just Or Zach Wilson can't do it. Boyle, you know, remember him, he can't do it. I just I feel the worst for him, and I think that it has to be Hackett. Your first time out here, and you have 16 touchdowns on this season. You're the worst offense in the league. It's your first year, and you have the offensive rookie of the year. It's inexcusable. I hear you, Matthew. And what makes it worse, thanks for the phone call, is that nobody's taking over the slack for him, right? You, the the receiver on the other side, whoever that is, uh, has not been able to do has not been able to do it. Lazard's not been able to make any any headway. Cobb has not been able to make any headway. Uh, Tyler Conklin is really the number two receiver at the tight end. So even while you're not able to get the ball to Gary Wilson, and you understand on occasion he's going to be doubled, there's going to be schemes that's going to dictate defensively that you have to go away from him, but the person on the other side is not even doing anything that could give him some help. So you're right. It's, it's not been a good situation. Has not. David, you're next on 98.7. Thank you very much for taking my call, and I wish to uh, wish you and all your staff a happy holiday. 
Hope everybody's safe and well. Thanks. Same to you um, and yours, David. My main question, because I've listened tons and tons and tons and tons on sports talk shows, and I have yet to hear anybody. Everybody stops short of what the problem is with the Jets. When you have a company that's failing like this, you go to the head. Woody and I just heard about his brother Charlie. These are not people. These are not a Christian. These are not people steeped in the sports tradition. Woody Johnson didn't build Johnson and Johnson's pharmaceutical. Okay, um, he did not build the Robert Wood Johnson medical complex. I don't know how many hospitals they own. They got to be worth about 150 billion, along with J and J. The Jet are an afterthought. If you remember, Donald Trump became president. Woody Johnson gave him a humongous contribution. Nothing wrong with that. And he got what he said is the one thing he always wanted in his life, to be ambassador of France. And for the entire time that he was in that position, you never saw or heard from him. Um, okay, the people that he's hiring, what does he know about it? What do they know about football? You know, sure, some of them. But you say 13 years they haven't made the playoff. We haven't had an owner, an owner that was a football person that had the Jets and Sonny Worthen. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, David, and thanks for the phone call. But you know what? There's a lot of owners in professional sports who aren't really sports people. But where I will agree with you is they do a little better job and have a little better luck, whatever you want to say, at putting people in the positions that they have that are more successful. And unfortunately for the Jets, they haven't been able to do that consistently. That's been the one issue. So, yes, it, is it, does it go back to the owner? Absolutely it does. Is he trying to pick the wrong people? No, he's not trying to pick the wrong people. He's just, it's not working out. And so whatever the uh, procedure is, whatever they use to decide who's the best person, whoever they speak with in conversations, Whatever they do to whatever formula they use to break down who should be the person in this position that will give us the best opportunity to turn things around, whatever, however they figure that out, however they come to that decision, that's got to change because it hasn't worked. Okay. Yes, there are things that happen. Injuries, yes, injuries cause that. Health issues, uh, bad, bad performances, bad luck. There's a number of things. But the most consistent thing here for them has been inconsistency in the front office. People who are, they've chosen to pick players for this team. And then people who they've chosen to coach the players that were picked for this team has not worked out. And it has not worked consistently over the last 13 years. 
because of the fact that they haven't won. And again, there's, there's caveats there. There's asterisks. Okay, you lose your quarterback. For, you lose your starting quarterback for the whole season. That's gonna t- You're going to take a hit. But it shouldn't be like this. Okay, look at the kid Browning with the Bengals. I mean, most people like me, oh, they're done. This kid's got them winning. They've got seven wins. All right, they're, in, they're, they're still in the playoff hunt. Minshew and Indy, they're in the playoff hunt. So there's ways that you can do that. It's the personnel that you've chosen. And so the people who are picking the players that you have on your roster, that's where the issue is. And who's coaching them, and not only who's coaching them, but whom the coach puts in on their staff to try to make them better. I mean, you look at it over the past 13 years, you look at the players and the coaches that the Jets have had. I mean, after Rex won his back-to-back and then struggled the, the, you know, the following years after that, they've just not been able to do a good job in putting the right people in place to pick the right players to make the best decisions. And unfortunately, it starts at the quarterback spot. And right after that is the offensive line, which they are still trying to fix. Conversation continues on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Bad loss for uh, Dallas, who was coming off an impressive win over Philly. So it's, uh, it, it is so interesting. <laughs> it just is. It's really, really interesting, this, uh, the National Football League from week to week. You know, it is. Uh, Niners roll over the Cardinals in another one of the 4 o'clock games, 45-29. to 29. Sam Darnold got a chance to play in that uh, contest. Uh-huh. Jeff Fenton like Larry. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Richardson, Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Larry, in the immortal words of Warner Wolf, if you had the Jets in 29 points today, you lost. All right. right. And when uh, Zach Wilson fumbled in the beginning of the game, you can turn your TV sets off right there. I mean, at least the one thing about this game, Larry, is you knew that it was over quickly. You knew this just wasn't their game. You knew the coaches would not make the correct uh, adjustments, and you knew it was futility. So, really, I don't have much much, uh, uh, sympathy for any of the Jet fans who stayed and watched the whole game because if you don't know your team by now when they have no chance, you you just don't know what you're watching. Anyway, as far as who's going to win the uh, NFL Super Bowl, get into the Super Bowl, look at the Atlanta Braves. Look at the Boston Bruins and look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Those teams didn't even get it past the get out past the first round. So we don't know who's going to win. We have no idea. It's such a crapshoot. Larry, one last thing I want to leave you with: mm-hmm. fifty years ago today, where were you, Larry? Fifty years ago today. Wow, that's a good question. We had three feet of, three feet of snow in New York. And the greatest achievement I've ever seen an opposing player do in New York, the greatest, mm-hmm. was O.J. Simpson runs for over 200 yards at Jay Stadium behind that great Buffalo uh, offensive line. 
and gets 2,000 yards in a 14-game schedule. 2,000 yards, Larry, that's 143 yards a game. You mm-hmm. don't see any running backs getting 143 yards in one game nowadays. He did it in 14 games. That was unbelievable. unbelievable. Larry, three feet of snow that day. I'll never forget. I was, I was probably home. Five- I was studying I was for finals, school. and I was hoping maybe one of them would get canceled. Forget about it. Every final went off that whole week, but I'll never forget the week before Christmas, 1973. Wow. Larry, wow. always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Richard. Wow. OJ Simpson, the electric company, that was a pretty good offensive line. Pretty good offensive line. One day, uh, hopefully, Greg Butler will share a story with you about him uh, defending against O.J. Simpson as, as a Jet linebacker. It's a great story. It's a great story. But I can't do it justice. He's got to share it. Maybe one day he'll share it with you. If you haven't already heard it, it's a fabulous story. Tommy's in New Hyde Park. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Larry. How you doing? I'm all right. I can't believe the Jets had no gameplay for this thing. The coasters were not prepared at all. I mean, the offensive line is so bad. I mean, Zach Wilson couldn't uh, scratch his nose before he could throw a ball. And then they say he went out with, um, what do you say? That, uh, Concussion. Well, no, first I said uh, nutrition thing, whatever you call it. Dehydration was the original. Thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. And then after Salsa came on, he was like, well, I didn't know nothing about that, but it is a concussion. Now, all of a sudden, why are they hiding the concussion? I mean, it's stupid. The Jets just suck. What do you think? Well, they do, Tommy. Thanks for the phone call. It's, it's, that's not breaking news, my friend. They've been bad for a while this season. They have been. But today for me, and this is – and they've had a lot of one-sided games, right? They've had the loss to Dallas and – they had the loss to Miami earlier on Black Friday about a month ago. You know, so they've had, not even a month ago, three weeks ago, they've had bad games this year. They have. But this one was the worst. For some reason, it just was. Probably because it came off the backdrop of what, how they looked last week, where you had all three phases playing well. Special teams was doing well. Defense was doing well, and surprisingly, the offense was, dare I say for them, explosive. So, once again, you understand it's a different opponent. You understand that you're coming up in weight classes, I love to say, using a boxing analogy. So, you know that Miami is not Houston. Miami is not, even though they're missing Tyreek Hill, okay, that you may think that gives you a better chance. But really... I don't see where they took advantage of Tyreek Hill not being there. In the sense of Jalen Waddle can't beat us. We have to make sure that he does whatever it takes to keep him from having a big day, whatever it takes to put extra pressure on Tua. That's what we have to do because we don't have Tyreek Hill. They don't have Tyreek Hill and that's what we have to do. And it just seemed like, They didn't do it. And then as the game went on and they suffered injuries on the defensive side of the football, they couldn't do it. But you're sitting there like, why is he running open like that? Why is it that DJ Reed is 
is the only person covering him. There's no help over the top. No safety help. Nobody coming over. Who else are we trying to stop? <laughs> He's the guy. That's the guy we should be trying to stop. Or at least contain. Or make them do something else. Where we have better control. Okay, let's let's shape the defense to the other guy. Let's shape the defense to Waddle. And let's, you know, if we get one man-on-man -man coverage on, on somebody else, we'll roll with that. We'll, if that guy beats us, you know what? We'll tip our cap and we'll say, great job by Miami. Because they said a great job by Miami anyway. So at least try something. Uh, Could we put, hey, listen, let's switch this time. Sauce Gardner, you go on that side. No, not nothing. Nothing changed. And Waddle just lit them up for 140 plus yards on eight receptions. And you're sitting there, you're like, what are you doing? What's going on? Why did this happen? And again, we could talk about the offensive line, but I, you had to see it to believe it today. It was as bad as it's been. It was as bad as it's been. That was the Jets story today. The Giants story was not much better. Because you really expected, you were curious to see how they would respond. This was a winnable game for the New York Giants. The Saints have been having issues. They've been inconsistent offensively. You're able, you've got a mobile quarterback, which by their own admission, they've had issues with defending. And the Giants could not get, the, could not get it done. We'll talk about the Giants and their loss to the Saints. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty. On 98.7 ESPN. Here's where you know it's going to be one of those days if you're a Giants fan, right? Randy Bullock, who is replacing your original field goal kicker, kicks a 56-yard field goal, gives you a 3-0 lead, and then on the ensuing kickoff, pulls a hamstring. Done. That kind of tells you, oh, it's going to be one of those days. It's going to be one of those days. And then New Orleans puts get some points on the board. It's still, it's still a winnable game. It's 7-6 at halftime. And so clearly, if you're the Giants, you understand, well, we really kind of have to get touchdowns right we're not field goals we don't know if we've got the you know even though Jamie Gillen did hit a 40 yard one 40 yarder you're not real comfortable right you understand that so it's about getting into the end zone and really that's what Brian Dable is about anyway field goal obviously but you want to get into the end zone and you're you're still close your defense is playing okay and it's keeping you close but then in the second half especially that third quarter you give up a touchdown and a field goal. And I think the, the Juwan Johnson touchdown pass from Derek Carr, that drive was the one that really hurt them because that was a 10-play, 68-yard drive that lasted almost six and a half minutes. And now your defense is unable 
to get off the field during that drive. Your defense has not been able to do what has really made them very successful over the past couple of weeks, and that's been the ability to force some turnovers. Give your offense a short field, uh, change momentum, obviously keeping the opponent from scoring. All those things are positive. So all these things are building momentum, and then you had a hot quarterback. I mean, once again, DeVito has played well over these past three or four games. Starting to build some momentum with him. He's getting comfortable. He's got a good relationship with the receivers. <clears throat> good chemistry. He's He's got great energy. And so you, the team's got a little energy. got a little bounce to them. Plus, the fact that he runs and moves the ball and keeps plays alive allows you to get your offensive line going in gear. And now Saquon Barkley's been playing very, very well during this winning streak. So you're looking and it allowed you as the Giant fan to say, listen, maybe I got a shot at some postseason. Maybe I do. I mean, I'm looking at the rest of the conference. Okay, I know the NFC South is only going to have one team coming out of there because they're all under 500. So whoever wins is going to be the only team going to the playoffs. So maybe if we could put a little run together. We know we got Philadelphia on our schedule, not once but twice before the end of the season. But maybe one of those games, Philly doesn't need it. So they start resting. They start, you know, uh, taking some plays out, giving some guys some rest. So now maybe I can get one of those two because Philly won't need it for a home field or whatever. So you think, you know, it allows you to dream. It allows you to say all this conversation about, oh, let's go ahead and tank. We're not going to – let's let's look to get the best quarterback we can get. We got to move on from Daniel Jones. Maybe we'll keep Tommy DeVito as our backup. We're going to move on from Tyron Taylor. All this conversation about what needs to happen with this giant football team going forward, for the past couple of weeks, you've been allowed to dream, to say maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe we've got a shot. And – you go into and face a New Orleans Saints team that is in the aforementioned NFC South, who has not played well, who's been inconsistent, who's had offensive issues with their quarterback, Derek Carr. You've got him a couple of weeks ago and the, you know, the disagreement in the shouting match with his offensive lineman for getting for taking a sack. Like, what are you doing? What's going on? You know, the offense has not been great. Carr's been up and down. You know, when he's been available. So it's it's been it's been kind of a struggle for New Orleans. And because it's been a struggle for them offensively, the defense has not been the type of defense that you're used to seeing this Saints team have. I mean, you know, Demario Davis has been a guy that's uh, you know, been kind of the captain of that defense on the linebacker spot. All right, and so, you know, this is not they've not played well. So as a Giant fan, you're thinking, listen, we can go in there. They're not gonna blow us out. The way DeVito's playing, the way the defense is playing, we got a shot. And you're in it the first half, even though you lost your field goal kicker. And then all of a sudden now, in the third quarter, you're in a position where, you know, it's, they're moving the ball on the defense. Defense is not able to get off the field. And offensively, you can't get anything going. Because they've taken the run away from you, and now 
they're pressuring you and they're putting a lot of pressure on the offensive line, which has really held up. One of the things that we have noticed during the winning streak that the Giants had was nobody was talking about the offensive line play. The offensive line play had settled down. They've done a nice job. Today, not so much. New Orleans pressured them. They give up seven sacks of DeVito, who has to leave the game in the second half. They think he's got a concussion, but he's able to come back. All right, Tyrod Taylor came in, but, you know, he's able to come back. And still struggles. Couldn't run the ball effectively the way he's been. Made a couple of nice plays, a couple of rollout plays, getting the ball downfield, some off-schedule plays, which he does very, very well. But they just couldn't mount enough consistently to march down the field and get back into the game. And now you're getting three and out after three and out, and now your defense is on the field a little bit, and they did not have an answer for Alvin Kamara. Now, it's not that Alvin Kamara had a 100, over 100-yard 100 game. I mean, scrimmage and rushing, it does total over 100. But it wasn't like he was killing you on the ground and killing you in the air. He kind of, you know, he was able to do some things that he's not been doing consistently for this offense, which is part of the reason why the offense has struggled. Teams have made him kind of one-dimensional. Either he's not running the ball or he's catching it, but he's not killing. He's, he, they're minimizing his ability to make big plays. And you wonder, you know, he missed the first three games of the season, so you know, he's trying to just get up to speed, and then he's got a new quarterback in there. He's trying to get going. So for a Giant fan today, this was a disappointing loss. Because going in, you felt you had an opportunity to steal a win on the road here. Easily. Didn't happen. So now, you've got a couple games left. You've got nine losses. Of course, you're going to try to win every game. That's what the players do. That's what coaches do. Same thing with the Jets. I know fans are like, well, listen, okay. Not that we needed to know that we we know that we didn't have any playoffs. What one tenth of a scintilla of hope to make the playoffs, and clearly now that's over with some wins earlier today. So now neither team is going to make the playoffs. So now what's the next step? And that's about looking to see, you know, what's what's for next year. Who's on this team? Who's going to be on this team next year? And what are they going to contribute? That's where you are now. And it was just a really different, give New Orleans credit today. They had the right schemes to try to protect Derek Carr to keep the Giants from putting big-time pressure on them. It just seemed whenever Wink Martindale wanted to blitz, they had the right play call when they expected him to blitz. And so the blitz was not as effective as it has been for this Giants team. Because nobody blitzes more than Wink Martindale. Nobody. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. We all- You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Heading to X. My nephew. I haven't heard from my nephew in a while. Jay Blaze NYC. Uncle L, Uncle L, Uncle L. Am I wrong to think New York Jet fans should temper expectations next year? 
Number eight is great, but the AFC will be nine deep, not including the Jets. And now that the Chargers will have a real head coach, there's a good chance the Jets only win one or no playoff games each of the next two years with number eight, Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know what, Jay Blaze? That's an interesting thought. And, but see, here's the crazy thing about the AFC. You're right. It's probably going to go eight, nine deep, but we don't know which eight, nine is going to be. Because right now, because of injuries and things of that nature, we're not sure. The people that we thought were going to be there, they're going to be, you know, in the forefront. That's going to be ready to roll. That would be making a difference. Like Denver? Nope. Cincinnati, we figured could go deep into the postseason. Now, obviously, with the injury to Joe Burrow, done for the year. And, you know, the backup's done a nice job. Browning's done a really good job. He's gotten to seven wins. Is that enough? Cleveland. When will the will the Joe Flacco, uh, you know, playoff role train continue? He's played well. They've been able to win defensively. They've played very very well. All right. So yeah, there's a lot of upside. There's there's a lot of surprises. Pittsburgh, many people like myself, because listen, still is always involved. Still is always find a way to be in the mix. This year, maybe not so much. With the loss of Kenny Pickett, that bothered them, hurt them, no doubt about it. Uh, they went back to Mitchell Trubisky, benched yesterday. So he's not the answer, which they kind of knew. And once again, this is this is going to be the scenario about what's happening with the backup quarterbacks. Who Who's going to be available and how good will they be able to fit in with these teams that they're going to, you know, be taking over? So it really depends, Jay Blaze, on what changes the Jets make. Is this going to be a coaching change? If they bring everybody back, you might be right. I don't know. Okay, if you bring everybody back and you've seen the holes in this in the in all phases, offensively and defensively, not so much special teams, but the holes on offense and defense, personnel-wise, scheme-wise, coaching-wise, I don't know. Might not be. Yes, your quarterback can hide a myriad of ills. But can he hide the offensive line? And what faith do you have as a Jet fan? that they will be able to make the right moves to put the right people in place on this offensive line to keep Aaron Rodgers upright next season. And who's your number two wide receiver? Because the defense on Gary Wilson is not changing. They're still going to double him. They're still going to take him away because he is a dynamic talent at wide receiver. It's not going away. Now, will you have an experienced quarterback that will be able to throw him open? Yes, I I certainly hope so. I think Aaron Rodgers will as a if he is Aaron Rodgers, and that's the next thing. Okay, and whoever the backup is, should Aaron Rodgers get hurt, will he be able to do the same thing? See, all these are all these are interesting questions to see just, you know, what's going to happen with this team. How do they respond personnel-wise by fixing the, the problems that they have from a personnel standpoint? So you might be right. They may only win one playoff game. 
depends on the matchup. Am I am I looking at this team right now? Even when they're fully healthy, am I going to sit here and tell you that Aaron Rodgers, just Aaron Rodgers behind this team, makes them a division winner? I don't think it even makes them a division winner. It puts them in the playoff hunt. But there's got to be a lot that's got to change to this. And remember, there are players right now that's on this team that may not be on this team next year. You're going to have to make some decisions. Okay, there's some players on defense you may have to move on from. There's some players on offense you may have to move on from. That's going to put other people in different spots. And how will they perform in a new role where they get more playing time? more of a chance for them to be on the field where you you use them in certain situations based on your scheme and they were okay. But now they've got to be on the field much more than they were previously. And now you're a little concerned about that. You would be concerned. Are they going to be able to make it? Are they going to be able to hold their own? How are we going to have to switch the scheme? And again, the most important thing Are you confident the people that are in the decision-making process are going to make the right decisions to improve this football team? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not talking about injury. Before the injuries, the offensive line was a concern this year. It was. Before anybody got hurt, there were questions about this offensive line. When there should not have been. Because you knew you had Aaron Rodgers, you had to make every possible move you needed to get the best offensive line possible. And that was not done. Because this was not the best offensive line possible. With all the questions around it, with all the subpar play that you saw last season. And once again, yeah, injuries, I get it. And you had to know... That was a possibility. So it's just it's it's just been it's just been a very frustrating situation for Jet fans this year. It really has been. And then for your defense, and listen, the defense has played pretty good all year. We're not killing them. They had a bad game today. Bad game. Not totally their fault. Because I don't think the coaching staff did much adjusting to them or could for whatever reason, maybe because of the injuries or whatever. But nevertheless, I mean, this was not the Jet defense that you've seen most of the year. Unfortunately, it's been the Jet defense you've seen against Miami, and that's an issue. And so if you know, and I heard some audio from DJ Reed afterwards to say, well, you know, he knows our defense pretty good. Then you got to make some changes. Got to make some changes. You got to show him one thing that looks like and do something else. You have to. And once again, I don't know that you would have won the game that way. But at least it would, you, you would have had a fighting chance. There was no chance in this one. None. No chance whatsoever. That was the frustrating thing. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was like Richard from Manhattan said, after the five minutes, after you saw the way the defense manhandled 
the offensive line and got a, a forced fumble from Zach Wilson that they recovered at the one and punched it right in. And then on the next the next series, the Jets go four and out and they go for a fake punt. And they, you know, score a field goal on that. Uh, game was over. As it turned out, as it turned out, based on the score, the game was over on the uh, on the two yard run from Raheem Mostart, based off that fumble. And once again, it's, it was it was the same plays over and over again that they got beat on just was it was like what what are we doing and it could have been worse I mean the Dolphins had two field goals in the second half it was 24 nothing at halftime they put they they put their foot on the brake it could have easily been 40 44 they could have wiped them off the face of the earth. Could have. Easily. But they took it easy. Took it easy. Nine plays, 41 yards in the third quarter led to a field goal. 12 plays, 42 yards. A field goal. And it just it was, once again, it was the same plays over and over and over again. It's 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 frustrating. If you're a Jets fan, you are pulling your hair out. Because this is your 13th straight season not making the playoffs. And when's the last time you won a division a conference a division game on the road? That hasn't happened in a while either. You do well at home in the divisions, but not on the road. So there's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot. There's Woody Johnson and Chris Johnson really have some decisions to make after this season. They really do. They really do. And once again, I'm not advocating for anybody to be fired, but this is a production business. And for three years, this group has not produced. More next on 98.7 ESPN.